So through all society and culture, you will find that there are gods of war. We have today in this earth, we have a God of war. His name is Satan. Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor Podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Oh, praise the Lord. Are you ready to get into the Word of God? Amen, amen, amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we come before you today, Father, I just counted an honor and a privilege, uh, Father, to serve here today, to stand in this pulpit. And Father, I just thank you that I know that I will be doubly judged for everything that I say as a teacher, as a pastor. And so, Lord, today, I do not lean on my own understanding. I trust you completely. Holy Spirit, lead, guide, and direct this place. Father God, I pray that you will confirm the word with signs following today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we give you all the praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, let's open our Bibles to Genesis, the 14th chapter. Genesis chapter 14. I want to share something with you today uh, that the Lord put on my heart about six months ago, and it became more confirmed uh, recently when we were um, in Korea for two weeks ministering all over South Korea uh, there. South Korea, uh, unfortunately, right now has the largest suicide rate of young people in the world, and a lot of times um, when you come into a lot of the churches that are Uh, so traditional, they're not really teaching and pursuing the way that you and I know in our hearts that the Lord wants us to pursue. Uh, You know, Jesus made this statement. He said, he said uh, to, to the religious folks at that time, he said, your tradition has made the word of God of none effect. And, and the word of God is number one and and it, it must be taught and it must be learned and it must be memorized because it is God's Word. It is the Word that we have from the one who created us. It is, in your car, you have an owner's manual uh, given to you by the, uh, the car uh, manufacturing company who manufactured or built your car, truck, or whatever it may be. And it's in that that you can tell the things that you need to do concerning your car or truck or your vehicle. Uh, it also tells you exactly how it's supposed to operate. Uh, and so a lot of times it's like a piece of machinery. You try to operate it without understanding how to operate or been trained to operate it, then uh, you could get hurt. Um, and so th- when we have problems in our vehicles, uh, now we have everything comes up on the dashboard, of course, and comes, comes up technology to tell us exactly what's going on. Uh, the other day was tire pressure, and so I went and, and had some air putting the tire. So you, you know those things. But when something you don't know exactly what's going on, you can refer back to the owner's manual. And because the manufacturer is the one who created it, they know exactly how it works. And it's the same thing with us in life. God knows exactly 
exactly the way that we need to live life and he wants us uh, to live life. And I want to say this, God, we just sang it, God is a good God. God is a good God. And let me make this one statement before we read this scripture. Don't ever judge God's love by what's happening or not happening to you. God loves you unconditionally. And so many times we think God is the problem. If you think God is the problem, then you might as well throw up your hands, go jump in the river because you don't have a chance. But that's not the word of God. The word of God says, if God be for me, who can be against me? God's not your problem. You have a spiritual entity out here that has a hierarchy of an organization that is doing everything that he can to oppose you and to stop you from achieving everything that God has for you in your life. Because, because God knows that if we live according to his word and we do the things according to his will, then he's going to bless us He's going to prosper us. He's going to lead us, guide us, and direct us. And that will get the attention of other people. And so the enemy wants to load us up with so many problems and attacks and things like that that we're not even looking at other people. We're just looking at ourselves and just figuring, how am I going to get out of this? What am I going to do with this? But I want to show you today and I want to teach you what God said to me about six months ago, and that is this. My people have become passive, and they are not fighting. They are not fighting. And he said, everywhere you go, I want you to bring this message. Teach my people and let them know they must fight. I come from a military town. In our church, we have special ops, we have the 82nd Airborne, we have the Rangers, uh, we have Delta Force, we have even CIA operatives uh, in the church. That's really interesting. And, uh, but, <laughs> but I am surrounded by warriors, and I love it. And they're constant, I'm constantly asking them questions about their training and, and things of that nature. And all the things that they tell me, uh, it just lines up with everything that's in the Word of God. And so in Genesis, the 14th chapter, in verse 14, it says this, Now Abram, which we know is Abraham, heard that his brother was taken captive. He armed his 318 trained, everybody say trained, trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces, that's wisdom. He divided his forces uh, against them by night and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them far as Hobah, all the way down to the north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods also brought back his brother Lot and his goods as well as the women and the children. Lot was taught how to prosper and live comfortably. He was taught that. He saw that. He was a part of the, the covenant, uh, receiving the benefit of Abraham's covenant. But he didn't know how to fight his enemies. And therefore, all of his household was taken because he had not trained his house how to fight. 
And so when the enemy attacked him, he and his whole household was taken captive along with all of his possessions. But Abraham's house was a whole different story. Abraham knew that there were enemies out there. Abraham knew at any moment, at any time, that he could possibly be attacked. So he knew that he must train those in his household how to fight and how to fight as a unit. The Lord spoke this to me the other day. Just drop this in my heart. The church is not a place to train children how to play on a playground. But it's a place to train and disciple disciples how to fight on the battleground of life. There is a great spiritual warfare that is going on today for the lives of men and women, especially our young men and young women. As Christians, we must understand that, that this war is first and foremost, it is a spiritual war. And this, and, and because it's a spiritual war, it manifests itself in the natural realm in our culture, through our culture and society. Even, even back in, if, if you study history, I'm a big history buff. And I, I love to dig and I love to study and find out why things happened, what was the purpose, plan of things. And one thing that I do know that all in every single culture and society, there was always a God of war. With the Roman culture, there was Mars. He was right under Jupiter. He was the God of war. In Greek mythology, there was the God that if any of you saw Wonder Woman, you'll know who that was, Ares. He was the God, the Greek mythology God of war. So through all society and culture, you will find that there are gods of war. We have today in this earth, we have a God of war. His name is Satan. Have you ever, have you ever thought about this? Where did the first war ever begin? Where was the first war? Where did the first war ever take place? In heaven. The first recorded war was in heaven. Listen to this. In Revelation, the 12th chapter, verse 7 through 11. And war broke out in heaven. That's amazing. Perfect environment. God is there. Yet war breaks out. And of course, we, we could spend all day talking about how that, how that happened. But it says, Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail. That's a very important statement. They did not prevail. Nor was there a place found in heaven for them any longer. In other words, he got kicked out. And listen, you got to keep kicking him out today. You can't let him, you can't. The Bible says, Paul said this, don't give him any place whatsoever. So it says, so the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old. It's amazing, he was called a serpent and now he's a dragon. He's been feeding real well. Somebody's been feeding him. He said, call, listen to this, call the devil, Satan. Now listen to this statement, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, let me just stop there for just a moment and say this. Every time that accusation comes or uh, uh, somebody accusing, 
unless it's true, unless somebody is accusing or you accuse your own self and you allow thoughts to come in to condemn you, to say you're stupid, you'll never amount to anything. You're not going to make it. Who do you think you are? Where do you think you're going to come from? You're never going to have nothing. This is who you are. The moment you got born again, your biological family has no bearing on your destiny. It's not where you came from, but it's who you came from. It's not where you came from, but who you came from. It's not so much your conception as it is God's perception of you as his son and his daughter. Because the moment you get born again, old things have passed away. Even though you have a biological family, even though you have a history, even though you have a place that you came from, but it has no bearing on where you're going with the kingdom of God. Because the moment you get born again is when you have totally surrendered to God and now God's plan that he had before you were ever born. Psalms 139, all the days of your life were written before you ever lived one of them. That's the reason prayer is so important. That's the reason the word of God is so important. We're always trying to find where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? Well, God's got it in his hands and the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you who knows exactly everything that has been written in your book. You actually have an autobiography already in heaven. And it's, and, and, and it's up to us to seek the will of God. That's the reason Jesus told his disciples, pray not your will, but not my, my will, but your will be done. That, that was the thing. And, and, of course, we have the will with the, with, with the word of God. But listen, any condemnation that comes in your mind, that is not coming from anything but a demonic source trying to keep you locked up and in prison to your past or the way you see yourself. Don't see yourself the way you see yourself or whether other people, you think other people uh, see you. See yourself, take this mirror, which is the word of God, and see yourself in the way God says that you are. Man, I can't tell you how many times that I just, thousands of times, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am loved by God. I am loved by God. I am loved by God. Am I, am I perfect in any way, shape, or form? No, I make mistakes just like every, everybody else. But I'll tell you this, the more that I re rehearse the Word of God, the more that I speak the Word of God, the more that I declare God's Word over me, the Bible says it is water. The Word, the word of God is like water. It washes away all that filth and that junk that was on the inside of me that made me think that I was just a bozo, you know, and, and would never do anything. Everything else was for everybody else, not for me, until I got this word on the inside of me. It changed my whole life. That was a long time ago. It's still changing me today. It says, for the accuser of the brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. You cast him down too. The Bible says, cast down every vain imagination, every high thing that exhausts itself against the knowledge of God. You cast it down. I rebuke that. That doesn't line up with the word of God. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I cast that down in Jesus' name. You have that authority and power. So it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, which represents the cross, which represents the covenant, the life that Jesus gave on the cross, and by the word of their testimony. I, I love here, I, I love the, the definition of, of, of testimony. This won't be on the screen, but 
I just put this in this morning. Listen to the word testimony. They overcame by the word of their testimony. The blood of the lamb took, took, took place 2,000 years ago, which is now covenant, the new covenant. The word testimony means this, evidence given by the declaration of truth. Evidence given by the declaration of truth. The Bible is God's evidence that the devil has been defeated. It is God's evidence that you have authority restored back to you, restored back to the human race through the Lord Jesus Christ. It means this, I love this. It is a declaration by a witness who speaks with authority of the one who knows truth. Man. Man, you, you have authority. You have authority to speak truth. So let's look at verse 12. It goes on and says, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. Y'all got both of them. You got the earth and the sea right here. But here, here's where he said, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. It is woe to those who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's the reason we pray. That's the reason we intercede. That's the reason we witness and tell people about Jesus. For, and here's the reason it's the woe. For the devil has come down to you having a great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Now think about this. If this was written way back then and he knows he has a short time back then, so what do you think that he's thinking today? Because he is witnessing everything that Jesus prophesied concerning the last days before Jesus' return happening not just in certain places on occasion. It is happening in multiples all over, all over the world. Then listen to, to verse 17 of Revelation 12. And the dragon was enraged with the woman. Now listen to this. He went to make war with the rest of her offspring... And who is that? Who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's us who have been born again, who know Jesus Christ. That's, that's us. There is a war that is raging against you. There is a battle plan that is put together to stop you to keep you from fulfilling what God has for you in your life, in your destiny. It is to stop where you work. It is to stop your business. It is to stop your family. It is to stop your, your physical body, if he can kill you. In any way, shape, or form, there is a war. And we need to understand that what, what is behind that war is spiritual, and then it manifests itself in the natural. Listen to what J Jesus said in John 10, 10. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now notice the sequence in how God wrote that and put that in there. Steal, kill, and destroy. Why didn't he say kill, steal, and destroy? Because number one, to steal, the Bible says in Mark, the fourth chapter, the devil comes to steal the word. Because if he can steal the word out of your heart, if he can steal the word from you, then he can kill and destroy. If he can get you to doubt the word of God or to doubt God and to doubt his love, 
then he can just about do whatever he wants to do. And if you think that God is the one that's behind your situation and troubles, well, I'm, you might as well, as we say in Texas, you might as well ship your saddle home. Because <laughs> it's over with. But that's not the truth. And, and I'm going to show you this in the Word of God. So he said, the thief, speaking of Satan, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This is the reason that there are ambulances, hatreds, racism, violence, murder, vulgar language, disease, addictions, selfishness, bullying, uh, uh, funerals, tears, cemeteries, wars. That's the reason Jesus said in, in, in Luke 21, 9 and 11, that in the last days there would be wars and commotions. And the word commotions there means instability, a state of disorder, disturbance, and confusion. You know why the devil loves to bring confusion into households, families, marriages, churches, and every place that he can bring confusion? Because the Bible says in James 3.16, where there is envy and self-ambition, there is confusion and every evil work is there because of confusion. The devil first tries to bring confusion. Look how much confusion is in our society today. Who am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going? And so the confusion is there. And if, if he can instigate the confusion, then he can work inside of that. Because the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. The enemy is the author of the confusion. And if, if he can get people in confusion, then he can bring division. And why does he want to bring division? He knows the word of God as well as we do. He quoted it to Jesus on, in, in, the, in the wilderness. He quoted the word of God to Jesus. So out of Psalms 91, quoted the word to him. Now he took it, he, the way he was using it, he took it out of context, of course. And, and he will do that. But at, at, the, at the same time, you've got to realize that he wants to bring division because he knows that Jesus said, a house divided cannot stand. Why do you think that he tried to rally the angels with him to fight against God? Because he figured if he could bring division in heaven, he could rule and reign. So when he tries to instigate all kinds of arguments and things in places, he's trying to bring division. If he can bring division, he can bring destruction. Jesus said, a house divided, a nation divided, a kingdom divided cannot stand. It can't stand if there is division. That's the reason God is into unity. It's all through the Bible. He's into unity. He's not into division. That's the reason he doesn't want his body divided. We're to be as one. A family unit that is one together in agreement is unstoppable. The church is the same identical way. So physical wars are a product of spiritual warfare being orchestrated behind the scenes by Satan and his organization of demonic forces. And they are real. They just don't exist over in Africa or third world countries. They're everywhere, every community, every single place. 
The New Testament reveals the invisible hierarchy of of evil powers who deceive and manipulate human behavior, therefore advancing satanic strategies. Listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians, the second chapter, verses one through three. And he says, he made you alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. We are, before we're born again, we have our own sequel. It is the walking dead. We are the walking dead. And what does that mean? I'm alive physically, but I'm separated from God because I'm born with a sinful nature, which separates me from God. When I'm born again, I become one with God, with with him. But until then, I am separated from God. I'm separated from his spirit, even though God's doing everything he can to get the, the good news of the gospel that he, Jesus died for us so that every single human being can be saved. God wishes that not, not one person perish, not one single person. He wants everybody to be born again. Listen, God loved you. He loved me before you and I were ever born again. And I was a mean scoundrel. I mean, nobody, my wife, can't even fathom that. My church can't even fathom that. We had, we had a, a, a deputy sheriff who used to uh, go, go or he oversaw uh, the, the territory of where I was raised. And he heard me at times telling, uh, you know, about how mean and things that I, some of the things I did, I don't tell everything, just a few things. And um, he said, you know, I'm going to go check him out. So he went to my hometown and went to three different places, establishments there and said, you know, my pastor is from here. And they said, oh, really? Well, who's your pastor? And he said, oh, Al Bryce. He said, every one of them will go like this. <laughs> Did you just say pastor? Yeah, pastor. And then he said, you know, he's told us some stories like that. And one guy, he said, one guy looked at him. He said, whatever he told you, triple it. I, I was I, I was bona fide crazy. I was. I was. Um, um, let me put it this way. I was a college athlete on scholarship, and I majored in psychology because I wanted to know why I was crazy. I did. That's the honest truth. My degree is in psychology. I wanted to know, why am I crazy? Why does my behavior act like that? I was not raised like that. But why do I make these decisions? Why do I do the things that I don't want to do and I end up doing them? Well, after I got my psychology degree and then I read the Bible, boom. It all made sense. And here it is right here. Watch this. You he made alive when you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the culture, according to the prince. The word prince there means the commander-in-chief or ruler of the power. That means delegated power. How did he get delegated power? Speaking of Satan, Adam gave it to him. God delegated authority and power to Adam, and then Adam turned it over to, uh, to the devil. How do we know that? Because in, in Matthew, the fourth chapter, 
When Jesus is being tempted by the devil, the devil takes him up and shows him all of everything of the world. I mean, all the glory, the glamour, everything, all the material goods, everything that you could imagine. The devil took him to that and he said, now, Jesus, he said, if you bow down and worship me, he said, I can give this to you because it has been given to me and I can give it to anybody I want to. I can bless anybody if they'll just worship me. That doesn't mean that you fall down and worship an idol or anything like that. Of course, we, we see that at times and places, but it just means that worshiping him means this. I will live my life apart from God. You'll start singing Frank Sinatra's song. I did it my way. That's not a good way. That's the way of destruction. It, it, it's a way of ruin, especially at the end of your days. I mean, he who has the most toys does not win unless they have Jesus, period. So he says, according to the, uh, the prince of the power of the air, the air means the atmospheric region around the earth. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. I know when your little baby was born, you thought it was an angel <laughs> until they became a toddler. <laughs> and then you realize that you have to instruct, you have to train, you have to discipline at times. And the reason that you have to do that is because of the nature that's on the inside of them. And let me just say this. This is the reason that is so important for those of you who know that you should be back in that children's ministry. You should be helping to raise up a generation that will not succumb and give in to the culture and to everything that is in opposition of God. And you have to, parents, you have to raise your children to know Jesus. Listen to me very carefully. Not to know church, to know Jesus and to know the Word of God. I was raised up in church, but I was never saved. Gangs on the street are, are streetwise. I was churchwise. I knew what to do, what to say, but now, okay, let me out of here. You know, and, and I had terrible things happen to me in my life, running from God, living a life apart from God. And then when God turned that around um, and I got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, I got into the Word of God, then all of a sudden my whole life started to have meaning. My whole life had purpose. And I've been pursuing that now for close to 50 years and walking in it. And so it says, it says, though the spirit of works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once, uh, we all once conducted ourselves, every one of us, because everyone was born, uh, was born again. Nobody was born um, righteous. We receive righteousness through Jesus Christ. Once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, that was, that was me. I was like, why do I have these impulses? Why did these things happen to me? Why did, where did these thoughts come from? They're just crazy thoughts. And then where is this power on the inside of me making me do things that I don't want to do and I end up doing them? And I say, no, I'm not going to do that. And I end up doing it again. You know, that's the power of sin. That's the power of this flesh. And so when I get born again, this flesh, I cannot allow it to have power over me. 
I don't submit my, the instruments of my body now to things that I know that can bring me, can bring in, bring destruction into my life. So it says, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of, here it goes, of the mind, were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But I love verse four because this is the one word that I love in the Bible as much as anything, and it's but God. It's got a capital, it's a big but. I'm always looking for those big buts in the Bible. But, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace. You have been saved. Now listen to this. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. I tell people all the time when I, I ask somebody, how are you doing? He said, well, under the circumstances. I said, what are you doing under the circumstances? You're sitting in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You're not under circumstances. You're actually above the circumstances. And apply the word of God. Okay. Hallelujah. So then in Ephesians 6, chapter verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Wow, that's an amazing statement. The word wrestle there means hand-to-hand combat, face-to-face. He said, you don't wrestle, you're not wrestling flesh and blood. I mean, you're dealing with flesh and blood, and you're seeing people act out and do all kinds of crazy stuff. But it's what's in them if they're not been born again. And what's behind them that is causing that to happen. When Jesus was in the storm, remember this, when Jesus was in the storm, the first thing he did, he didn't deal with the sea. He first dealt with what was causing the sea to be tumultuous, to be in a storm. What did he deal? What was behind it? He dealt with the wind. Remember this, he rebuked the wind But he said to the sea, peace, peace. It's when you deal with what's behind your situation that you cannot see because you can't see the wind. We we say this all the time. I mean, it was blowing the other night. Whoa. I mean, where we were standing, we were hearing chairs move. And it was not demons, it was the wind. There were chairs moving on top of where we were staying. You could hear them, boom, 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 just but, but, but the wind. And people look out. I mean, you can look out right now, and people look out the window, and they say, man, look at the wind. It is really blowing. You have never seen the wind. You see the effects of the wind. So what you see in human nature and people, you see the effects of what it is not to be born again, and you see the effects of demonic influence in regions, in culture, and society. So he says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor. Listen, folks, if we were not in a war, why would God give us his own armor? He knows what's here. So he says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand. So Jesus came to the earth 
to wage war against Satan and his kingdom, to redeem the human race from slavery of Satan, the bondage of sin, and to show his church, us, born-again believers, how to act toward the devil and his works. The Bible says in 1 John, the third chapter, it says this, verse seven and eight, and I'm just gonna go down to the very bottom of eight. It says, for this purpose, for this purpose, the son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Every work that has the devil's imprint upon it and stamp upon it, his fingerprints upon it, Jesus came to destroy those works. And he came to show us that with the authority from the Father, with the authority of the Word of God, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, those works, every one of them can be destroyed. Every single one of them. So, so, so the Bible says in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. And power. Who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Oppression depression, despair, all of these things. It comes from the wicked one. It comes from the devil. It comes from demonic spirits. And they are real. They're not just on Marvel comics. comics. They're not just on the Avengers and things of that nature. That's honestly just a manifestation of what actually is really going on in this earth. But we are the Avengers. We are the superheroes in this earth. But here's one thing that I love to, this is what ministered to me uh, when I knew that God had called me into ministry. And it says this, Jesus came, he saw all of this, and it says in Matthew 9, 35 and 38, then Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes... This is what I tell pastors all the time. When's the last time that you've looked in your city and been moved by compassion? Knowing that there are people walking by you, people all around you that are not saved. Living near you, living, living around. He, he said he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is truly plenty, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You know why your prayer meeting on Monday night is so vitally important? Because you're doing spiritual warfare for the, for the, for, 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 for Candom and Rockport and, and, and Maine and, and the United States and, and the body of Christ. You, you are interceding and you are praying because you care about people. You care about people that if they die, they'll end up in hell. You care about them. So you're coming and you're warring and you're, and you're praying. You say, well, I just don't know how to pray. It's very simple. Get baptized in the Holy Spirit and pray in the Spirit. And, and, and you just warfare. That's the reason you come Monday nights. You come here. You take one hour. You sacrifice. You put it up. Why? Because you care about your city. You care about the people here. And you say, devil, you're not going to have this city. You're not going to have our state. It doesn't belong to you. And we're, we're here, we're, we're the outpost, we're the fort, and we're going to do warfare. He said, therefore, pray the Lord send uh, harvesters. And we know Jesus was victorious. It tells us that in Colossians, the second chapter, he triumphed over them. So listen to this very carefully. 
Jesus has gone back to heaven, so who's carrying out his victory? We are. It's the body of Christ. Who has continued to do this spiritual warfare on earth right here in Rockport and, and Camden uh, and Maine and America to do the works of Jesus, to bring the good news of the freedom and the liberty to every human being? After his resurrection, Jesus sends us all out to do what he did. John 20, 21, he says, as the Father has sent me, I send you. And then he gives, what? he gives us authority to do it. The Bible says in Matthew 16, 19, he said, I give you the keys of authority and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Notice this. He didn't say, call me to come down and do it. He said, I'm giving you the keys now. He said, it's up to you to bind. So many people are just saying, Jesus, will you do this for me? Jesus said, no, you do it. I'll back you up. You do it. I've given you the keys you take your authority and bind and loose whatever you, what you have to do. In Matthew 28, 18 and 19, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. Two-thirds of God's name is go. It's go. <laughs> Listen, why else would he... Why else would he give us his authority if he didn't expect us to use it? The attitude of so many Christians today is anything but fierce. We're passive and acquiescent. That means ready to accept anything without protest or resistance. We're acting as if the battle is over and if the wolf and the lamb are now fast friends. I mean, come on, folks, good grief. We're, we're beating swords into plowshares as, our, as the armies of the evil one descend upon us and is killing, stealing, and destroying all around us. We've bought the lie of the religious spirit that says, you don't need to fight the enemy. Let Jesus do that. That's nonsense. He's given us his name. It's unbiblical. That would be, I, I know and understand because I was there when the Gulf War started. That would, that, would be, that would be like a private in the Gulf War saying, my commander, General Schwarzkopf, will do all the fighting for me. I don't need to even fire my weapon. Nope. You're dead. Nope. We're commanded to resist the devil and he will flee from you, James 4, 7. We are told your enemy, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. It says, resist him steadfast in faith. The Bible says it, it, it's in, in 1 Timothy 1.18 and 6.12, wage a good warfare, fight the good fight of faith. It says this, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, but that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. The Bible says, for we walk by faith, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. You are not a weak with the word of God in your mouth and the sword of the spirit but listen to me you need to be trained because you need to be a skilled swordsman you need to be a skilled swordsman you need to know how to use your weapon it's very important don't let the devil take your weapon from me and turn it on you the Bible also says in Proverbs 24 11, deliver those who are drawn toward death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter Seriously, I heard a young man the other day say this on TV, young pastor, thousands of people. 
And he made this statement. He said, we don't need to fight the enemy. Jesus has won. I believe the best way to fight is to lay down your weapons and just rest in Jesus. I'm sitting here, you just turned your congregation over to get mutilated. Yes, listen to me. Yes, Jesus has won the victory over Satan in his kingdom. Yes. However, the battle is not over. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, verse 24 and 25, it says this, then the end will come when he, Jesus, hands over the kingdom uh, to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, for he must reign, for he must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. He must reign. He brings his enemies under his feet. Jesus is still at war. He commands us as his body, his army, to do spiritual warfare and to reign in this life with him. Matter of fact, the intent and purpose of the church, I'll close with this. It says this, Apostle Paul said, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God, which is the word of God, might be made known by the church not the government, not politicians, not anybody else, but the church of Jesus Christ, that it might be named known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places right here in Rockport and Candom and Maine, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So he said, therefore, I say, don't lose heart. Don't give up and don't give in. Ladies and gentlemen, fight. Stand up and fight. Fight for what belongs to you. Fight the fight of faith. Take the word of God and do what you know that you need to do and make a stand. Don't have a pity party. Have a party. But don't have a pity party. I mean, I know there's pain. Listen, our first son is in heaven. I know what it is for a son to die. I know what it is to have casualties on the battlefield. I understand that. But I'm turning my anger and wrath not to God. I'm turning it to the kingdom of darkness. I'm turning it to the devil who has the power of death. I'm turning it against everything that I know that the enemy is involved in. That's what I'm doing. And I want to do everything I can to see that young people, children, young people, older people, whoever it may be, may be born again, but are trained to fight the fight of faith, to disciple them, to stand strong and to fight. And the young people today, they're facing things you and I never faced. They have got to know how to, to fight and use the sword of the Spirit and the armor of God. Can you say amen? amen. Would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment, please? I pray today that, and I believe that everybody in here is born again, but if you've not been born again, you're not living your life for the will of God. Don't allow the enemy, don't allow him to take your life and bring you into destruction and ruin. And then at the end of your life, you realize that what somebody told you about Jesus was true. Don't allow him to win in your life like he was winning in my life. And the way you do that is you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. He did die on a cross. He's the Son of God. 
And he died so that you could have freedom and liberties and that the Spirit of God could come to live on the inside of you. Maybe you say, well, Pastor, I knew the Lord at one time, but I've gotten away from him. I don't, know if, I don't know if the Lord will forgive me. Yes, he will. That's a lie of the devil. Yes, he will. Because the Bible says that if you repent of your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. I want to pray. And if you say, Pastor, I want to receive Jesus as the Lord of my life. I want to be born again. Or, Pastor, I've been away from God, and I want to come back into fellowship with God. I want to get back into His will for my life. If that's you, and you want, me, uh, you want to be in this prayer, I'm getting ready to pray. All I want you to do is slip up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. Thank you. God bless you. That's me. Pastor, that's me. That's me. I want to make sure. I want to know that I know that I know. Yes, ma'am, thank you. Yes, ma'am, thank you. You can put your hands down. All right, we're going to pray. I want you to pray this with me, and we're all going to pray with you. Those of you who raise your hands, we're going to pray with you. Pray this out loud with us. Father God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that he came here to this earth in the flesh as the son of God. He died on a cross and you raised him from the dead. Today I repent of all my sin in the name of Jesus. And today I confess Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. Thank you, Father, for saving me, delivering me, and loving me. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a big praise, God. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.